Hello, this is Bill Summers. Hi, this is Mike Clark. Hi, this is Ingrid Lucia. Yeah, you're right. This is Dr. John. I'm Mulgrew Miller. This is Idris Mohammed. This is Bobby Bush. Hi, this is Harry Shearer. You're joining me and so many other discerning listeners. You are listening to the WWOZ Interview Podcast. We have right here in the studio enough fun right here. Seva Vinay. Thank you for coming into the studio. Welcome. Thank you very much, Miss Hazel. I really love your program, and I love that good, especially that good gospel music. I just It's one of my favorite parts of the week, waking up to that good gospel music from Lauren and, and later Miss D- uh, D- Hazel and from the Delta Ramblers. Okay, well, that's very nice of you to say that, and I'm glad uh, that you do like it. But we want to talk about your music this morning. You're, you're getting ready to give a talk next uh, weekend. Yes, at the New Orleans Colloquium, which will be uh, kind of in, right in the middle of the French Quarter Festival, physically and uh, time-wise. It's, it's going to be at the Cabildo on Saturday. I think it's free. Uh, there'll be a number of speakers and I'll, I'll be speaking on Saturday at noon from 12 to 1, and I'll be talking about New Orleans string bands and string band music from the 1880s to about 1925, the uh, formative years of jazz and just the years before and after that. Now, there's, there are talks pretty much all day Friday and Saturday at this event that's in the Cabildo. And I understand that you go in the Cabildo and you go up some stairs I've, this is my first oh, year first doing year. doing the colloquium. Okay. I'm very excited about doing it. Okay, and uh, this uh, so if you're if you're downtown for the uh, the festival, you might want to go and take in some of these talks. And there's some talks about Buddy Bolden and uh, about Joe Frisco, the jazz dancer. And there's uh, quite a number of uh, people who were giving these talks with George Schmidt and Justin Winston and. Uh, and Seva. Yeah. I'm yeah. saying your name right, huh? Seva, yes. Seva, Seva Vinay, yes. Okay. Well, you're talking about string bands. Now, of course, I play a lot of string band music. And a lot of people say, you know, well, well where did, uh, like, where did bluegrass come from? And where did different traditions, uh, traditional New Orleans jazz, where did it come from? Did it come from this string band tradition? Is that where it came from? Well, yeah, is there's there's a lot of overlap. It, it, you can't say that uh, the string bands weren't a, a very big and significant influence on the uh, development of jazz and the jazz band. Uh, a lot of testimonies, the way they describe a string band, they're describing Buddy Bolden's band, who was uh, credited as being one of the first uh, or the first band to play jazz. And essentially it was a string band in that they had string bass, they had an acoustic guitar, and a violin would frequently play the melody. And it's interesting that you mention uh, bluegrass in this context because um, Del McCurry uh, recalls that uh, in Bill Monroe, when he was forming bluegrass, he would come down to New Orleans in the late 30s. And so I'm I'm trying to understand what he got from the music down here. And some of the things that you didn't get before the 1940s that Bill Monroe brought to the music were very prominent uh, aspects of New Orleans early jazz, such as the stomping upright bass, the, the way they pluck, and, and he even called a few of his tunes stomps. And also, I'm, I'm, I'd love to know if he got that 
high falsetto sound, you know, that that clarinet sound that we get in our jazz funerals is like a weeping woman. And how much of that was in the the mountain music before Bill Monroe? So I'd like to flesh that out someday also. And the falsetto and the yodeling both, you know, um, and you find them in other music, like in Hawaiian music, you know, all over. Of course, maybe maybe they went, it traveled by ship. Yeah, and it was also very... And in in Sweden, they did a lot of yodeling. As there's, I don't think, and the cowboys. I don't know if they'll ever know that. But I, I want to mention also that I, I did a pretty extensive article called "The Hawaiian Tinge in New Orleans Music," which is available online. It's free. It's at the Tulane Jazz Archives, and it's uh, it's they talk a lot. Of, we talk a lot about string bands, ukulele, and yodeling, and things like that. So I think you'd probably in, uh, enjoy that also. Okay, now. How can you relate this to the music that you play yourself? I mean, you obviously have an. In, you, you seem to be very interested in the subject, and does that be, does it relate closely to what you do yourself? Well, I'm so glad you asked because uh, directly after the colloquium at one o'clock, my string band will be performing at Preservation Hall, and I was just uh, I was telling you as I was telling you earlier, I recently got a grant from Threadhead to make a record that captures as close as possible the early string bands in New Orleans, according to the oral histories, which there are many of, and also uh, first-hand testimonies such as um, newspaper articles and photographs. And so, yes, we definitely go for that. Um, I've also tried to bring it forward, but uh, this this uh, new CD that's coming out is trying to really capture the, the repertoire, the instrumentation, uh, the way the band sounded and what made them different from other string bands that were playing all over the country. Okay, and and do you have is this the recording that you, we have here? Yes, uh, it's kind of it's not it's not hasn't been mastered yet. This is a, a pre pre release. Uh, well, you you people but, are getting a real real head start on this now <laughs> out there. You listeners, WWOZ listeners. Okay, so do you want to go to that music now and just put some music in here for a minute? Sure. Um, if we listen to track number 10, this is the kind of string trio that would have been playing at, uh, well, all over New Orleans, but um, most famously at Tom Anderson's Annex on Canal Street and Basin Street. And they did a lot of improvisation, and, and uh, I think you'll recognize this, the tune, but I, I framed it in a, in a mazurka rhythm, which was very popular. Okay, and when when was this era that we're you're talking back to? Yeah, this is probably between 1900, eight, well, the, the whole frame is between 1880 and, 1880 and uh, 1925. This recording is probably somewhere between 1900 and 1915, that kind of era, the string trio era. Okay, so we'll go. We'll take a listen to this, and um, you don't want to say the name of it, or I, I, I'd like to okay, have let, you guess because I, I let them guess. disguised it a little bit. Keep them guessing. It's a very okay. popular New Orleans tune. Okay. Okay. Well, I guess the name of it. St. <laughs> James Infirmary. That's right. Uh, what a beautiful setting. Thank you. And uh, I, was, I was saying uh, the, the bass is playing with a bow, which is very significant because it was Bill Johnson who also played in uh, trios at the Tom Anderson's Annex and later was a major figure in the, in the development of uh, jazz, playing with King Oliver and the, and the Creole band that toured all over the country. He's the one that is credited 
frequently for being the one to start playing the bass without a bow. If you look at all the pictures of New Orleans bands and orchestras before 1915, they all played with the bow, and uh, the bluegrass bands also, as you were saying. And But it was after, it, apparently he left the bow home one day from a gig, and he started playing pizzicato and doing a slapping style, and that was that's history. Everything has changed after that. Now, I'm just comparing this to country bands. I mean, there might have been a, might have been a lot of people who uh, maybe had a bow once and, you know, and it got broken or something. And there are also people who played wash tub basses. And mm-hmm. I don't think I ever remember anybody, seeing anybody, in my memory, seeing anybody bow a washed up bass. Have, have you ever I seen? I don't think I don't, so, no. So I'm just, I was just kind of just mulling that over about, <laughs> um, you know, how you, the lack of the bow, what would you do, you know? But so you'd think of something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, we were talking about Bill Monroe coming to New Orleans in the 30s. He told me that he came and played big vaudeville shows in New Orleans. He said, oh. big theaters. And I said, you remember the name of the theaters at the time? He did not remember the name of the theaters. But if you ever come across any of those references to him, what which theaters, I'd really be interested to find out. Um, I'm not quite sure how I'd find out. Well, do you know what, what groups he was playing with? He was playing either, well, when I questioned him closely, whether he was playing with his brothers, like the Monroe brothers, mm-hmm. or whether he was here as Bill Monroe because he played with his brothers in a kind of um, brother duet kind of, well, there were more, three or sometimes three of them. Um, And so they traveled uh, as the Monroe brothers and then as Bill Monroe and the Bluegrass Boys. So I'm not sure because he wasn't real sure about the time frame. So he really didn't think that he was playing Bluegrass till 1945. And previous to that, he was doing this kind of softer kind of style of brother singing or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. But he kind of jazzed it up with the banjo and the, the, the syncopation and the, and the um, faster sound. And that stomping bass. Yeah, and the stomping <laughs> bass. Yeah. But that's a yeah. good clue to the vaudeville because New Orleans was uh, had the, the Orpheum circuits would stop here, a lot of the vaudeville shows, and you might be able to find what, when and, and uh, who he was playing with. Okay, can we go back? Now, go back as far as you can go with what you've done. Like, what is the earliest evidence you've got of these string bands? Well, in the, in the 1880s, the, uh, the first and most important of the early bands is the, the T.O. Doublet Big Four String Band. And this was very significant because Lorenzo T.O. was an incredibly influential music, musician. He taught most of the the uh, clarinet players that came out of New Orleans. Some of them went on to play with uh, Louis Armstrong, Duke Ellington, for many years, uh, Barney Begard, who was a student, George Bacay. There were many of his people that were his students that became very famous internationally. But he was one of the co-founders and leaders of the big four-string band. And interestingly, he was a clarinet player, but and he was part of a bigger band. This was very common in, in that time period where there were a lot of brass bands in New Orleans. A lot of people talk about the 
brass band tradition here, but the brass bands frequently had a smaller group that was more versatile and able to play, say, picnics or da- smaller dances or, or balls. And weddings, uh, I think back then you wanted a kind of a different sound for a wedding. You didn't. Nowadays, brass bands are very welcome at weddings, but I think, you know, just a few years ago, you wanted something a little softer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, now, okay, now. <laughs> yeah. So, so what? What? Where, you're how far back are you going again? I'm a, about 1880. About so, 1880. Yeah, right around the T.O. Doublet sp- string band. Mm-hmm. That's kind of my starting off point. Now, right I, my grandmother was born about that time, and um, I, I talked to her a lot about the music she listened to in her lifetime. But I never did get to talk to my great grandmother so much about the music. She all I knew was that she played the harmonica, you know. But um, there were there were Dis- always t- discussions about going out to the lake and listening yeah. to music yeah. uh, and it would be there would be a bandstand that was always an important feature and you would go out and listen to music and it would cool off in the evening and then you'd ride the uh, train streetcar deal back home mm-hmm. and uh, and it would be dark but uh, that was a kind of thing people did and she described the music somewhat you know, and my grandmother, but I never did get back to the, my great grandmother's really to know, you know, what she what she liked. But my grandmother told me what she liked to dance to, and her favorite was the shottish uh-huh. of all things. She said not everybody could dance a shottish, and you had to make sure that way ahead of time that you had a good partner for the shottish, or they'd just mess it up. Yeah, <laughs> she said. Okay, now. Um, we do want to get in another piece of music for, that you brought. Well, which I do want to do that. But I also wanted to ask you, now, Jimmy Driftwood came in the studio, and in interview with him, he said that um, during, uh, the night of the battle in New Orleans, um, there was an Irish fiddler in New Orleans, and, they, and the soldiers asked him to play for a dance, to make, to make a dance. And he, he played a jig, and they said, no, 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 we're all, we don't want a jig. We want a reel. And so he says, well, I can change this into a reel. And supposedly he changed the jig into a reel. Uh, and evidently it used to be called Granny Does Your Dog Bite. And then the soldiers decided to call it Jackson's Victory And when it was changed into the reel. And there's other stories about Andrew Jackson uh, when he was here. Well, he played the violin. And when he was here, he found out about the music schools in New Orleans, and he sent his slaves here to be educated. Mm-hmm. So there's there's that little bit of string music going back to uh, 1815. You know, that's pretty mm. far back. Yeah. And if they were dancing to that type of, they, they claimed it was Irish. Now we don't know what what the soldiers thought, but they took the tune back to Arkansas, and. Uh, and then Jimmy Driftwood wrote his song, Battle in New Orleans, to that tune. So, oh, you know, okay. we carry that forward <laughs> with us today. Uh, this, now, that's going back further, but it's not exactly a string band. It might have just been one fiddler they might have had, yeah. you know, to play for their dance, to celebrate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, now tell me about this. I know that you got you got you got a lot of stuff to do today. I do. I, I'm playing at, at the Norwegian uh, Siemens Church in, at uh, 11 o'clock with my trio. I do have a minute. I just want to make a couple comments on some of the things you're talking about very quickly. Okay. Um, you mentioned the lake. The lake was a, a very popular pra- place for string bands. 
Um, besides the stage, they would have people going from picnic to picnic, little groups, little trios and quartets. Oh, yeah. Sometimes they had trumpet and, and uh, trombone, clarinet. They were still considered string bands. Also, and there were, people would go out there because it was a little cooler out there by the lake. Also, on the other side of the lake, you could take the uh, smoking uh, or the the boat that went over there and and uh, uh, listen to string bands on the other side. What was it called? I was going to say the Smoke and Mary, no, no, but I no, think that was no, the train. I, I can't remember right now, but my mother got stuck on that one night out in the middle of the lake. It was her family was just mortified oh, because goodness. she got in the middle of the night. Well, and, go ahead. And, and so. Um, <laughs> And so that was around West End, and also um, in Bucktown was a very popular place for dancing, especially the uh, more low-down kind of turkey trot, kind of barrel house kind of music and dancing. And the dancing was so huge in this era of music. Um, you mentioned the shatish, but there was also the polka, the mazurka, which the last tune that you played was kind of a mazurka. Um, there was the two-step was very popular in the 1890s. And uh, they were kind of related, and a, a big part of this project of me putting a re- recording together that was trying to capture that music was trying to find out what these bands sounded like in playing these different dance styles. And what they would do, they all frequently mentioned that there were a set of dances that people would play. So you were expected to play one chatisse at least, a waltz, a polka, a mazurka, a two-step, and then end it with a quadrille. And I've done some quadrille music on the new CD also. And then later on, it became the uh, One Step or the Dixieland One Step. And then after all the nice people went home, they would go into some real low-down blues stuff. And then that was when they would really start to cut up. Okay, and I don't mean to correct you at all, but I'm just saying that my grandmother grew up uptown, and she said shottish. Shottish, thank did. you. I, she, yeah. yeah, she did. She, and she had a dance card, shot-ish. and you knew you were going to have a shot. At, she cuts what she, it may be wrong. It may be like melpamine and melpomene. Yeah. You know, but <laughs> she said uh, that, you know, she really had to make sure she had the right guy for the shottish because you could mess it up, whatever that means. I, she never did dance the shottish for me. I tried to get her to, <laughs> but she never did. Uh, this is uh, interesting. We have a piece of music queued up here from yeah. your your project. It's in the works. Yes, the new CD, which will be out hopefully by Jazz Fest. And uh, this partic- this next cut is an example of the later period, maybe around the 1920s. It's the uh, what my string band is kind of loosely modeled after, the Storyville String Band. Um, they're loosely mos- modeled after the 6th and 7th, 8th String Band, who were... They would go into the Storyville district and around New Orleans and listen to music, and they formed a band that tried to emulate these string bands, and they stayed together up until about 1950. So there's a lot of improvisation, and the tune has got some ragtime influence. I think you'll recognize this one also. Okay, and do you just, just give yourself a little credit again about about this. In other words, this is Seven Vinay, and what is the name of the group going to be or the name of the album? Do you have that figured out yet? Uh, Seven Vinay and the Storyville String Band, and I th- um, this is going to be a recapturing the string bands of, the, of New Orleans from 1880 to 1925 or something something in the lines of that. I haven't got that far yet. But. Okay. And we'll just give it a listen now. This is... Um okay. And Semavernay is here, and he's telling us about his recording that's going to come out sometime between now and Jazz Fest. Yep. And uh, we were, it's what we were just listening to. And again, what will be the name of the group? The Storyville String Band. 
and we'll be playing at the French Quarter Fest right after the colloquium. The colloquium is from noon to one at the Cabildo. And direct right after that at one o'clock, I'm gonna have to leave a little early and run over to Preservation Hall. And from one to one forty-five, we're only doing one sh- one set, forty-five minutes, and we have a six-piece string band, and it's free. Preservation Hall, you can come in and enjoy some great New Orleans string band music. And this is next Saturday. Yes, at the French Quarter Festival. Uh, the colloquium will be at the Cabildo, and. Then, uh, then your performance is at Preservation Hall. Yes. I know that uh, you've got other musical things, Orange and the Fire. You have to get going here, um, but uh, I wanted to thank you for, you know, coming in this morning and talking about your colloquium and your performances and sharing this music that's not out yet, and that's very interesting about the history of our city and the string band music so i just appreciate you very much coming into the show thank you very much for inviting me Ms. come Lee. back soon and play some music with your group when you have a have a when they all going to get up early on a sunday morning and absolutely. come out and do this uh, absolutely definitely. okay thank you so much and um so we're gonna we're gonna hope that you come back soon anything oh how about if they want people want to get in touch with you what should they do? Facebook? You can Facebook me. Spell Seva, your name again. Yeah. Seva Vinay, S-E-V-A-V-E-N-E-T. Um, I also have a website, sevavinay.com. There's also a Storyville String Band Facebook page, which is brand new. You can contact me there. Okay. So check it out and keep up to date with what's going on from Seva. Thanks for coming in. Thanks so much, Hazel. Okay. Come back soon. Right. Okay. Thanks for listening to our WWOZ podcast bringing the voices of New Orleans to the world.